We are so excited today. We have a very special guest on the iBuyer Experiment. It is the CEO of 72 Sold, Greg Haig. This guy is crushing it. Uh, just last month alone, they've sold over 500 homes. Year to date, I think they're on track for almost 2,000 units here in the Phoenix market. He has come up with a really cool way for homeowners to sell their home. And I'm just so stoked to have you here. Welcome, Greg. Well, Kayla, it's just such a pleasure to be here. And I've been looking forward to being interviewed by you. Uh, you are such an influencer. You are such a rock star in the industry. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, thanks, Greg. I, I tell the story, our cameraman today, Curtis. Uh, Curtis is an industry outsider. And when he heard we were interviewing you, he's like, oh, hey, I know that guy. He's on TV. Yeah, well, it's uh, they think of me as the hand waver because so many people see me on TV talking, waving my hands, and I can't talk without waving my hands. So, uh, Curtis, thank you for the compliment. Yeah, awesome. Well, there's no doubt your marketing is just making a massive splash. Your production speaks for itself. But, you know, kind of before we get into that, I want to talk about something that I see a lot of, you know, just maybe a lot of confusion or just a lot of... Um, I don't know, shade getting thrown your way by the real estate industry. I was in the real estate forum the other day. Someone was like, 72 sold's not a brokerage. Greg Haig isn't even licensed. All this stuff that was just very erroneous. So I just want to set the record straight. Can you speak to some of that confusion? Sure. Well, first of all, 72 sold is a licensed brokerage. And number two, I have been a licensed broker in Arizona since 1981, and I'm also an attorney. So whomever said that obviously hasn't done the research, but 72 sold is a very different type of brokerage. Uh, 72 sold, the only broker or agent it has other than a designated broker is me. <laughs> there are okay. no other agents. Okay. So let's start there. Um, what 72 sold was formed to do was number one, to develop and refine a home selling program that I envisioned many years ago that I thought would be effective at giving sellers a better experience and better result and would give Realtors with all companies, Remax, Keller Williams, Realty Executives, wouldn't matter all over the country, a number one, uh, a program that they could go in and really provide sellers with a better experience, better result. And number two, compete with what I believe, and I think you've known for years, I believe, is the real threat to realtors, and that is the iBuyer. So the first thing that 72 Sold is, is it develops and refines this program. It trains realtors with various companies to implement the program. Then it markets the program, and people, home sellers, who are intrigued by the marketing, go to 72sold.com and sign up to meet with one of our certified agents, who again could be with any real estate firm. And then we, based on geography and other parameters, we send our agents out to meet with those sellers. So here in this market, because I own 72 sold and I own Hague Partners, Hague Partners, my brokerage, is the certified brokerage. So. Uh, all of the 72 sold inquiries would be referred to my 268 agents who are trained every day on our program. But we're in 38 other states. Wow. So we have agents from virtually every national brokerage and a lot of boutique brokerages. Uh, for example, Kevin Holmes in Vermont, uh, Burlington, Vermont, is with Keller Williams. 
and he's been in our program a couple of years, and he's doing a fantastic job continuing to um, increase his market share and his profitability in the Vermont market. And in fact, his entire Keller Williams office, I'm doing an online meeting with next week because now they've seen Kevin and they all want to come on board. So I think that's KW Keller Williams, Vermont. So that's what 72 sold is. 72 sold is number one, continues to divine to, to develop and refine a home selling program which I'll be glad to talk about during the yeah, podcast. Of course. Number two, to train our agents on it and certify them to offer it. And then number three, once they're certified, all the sellers that come to our website, we distribute those back to our agents. So okay. that's what 72 Sold is. Got it. I got it. I hope that clears up the confusion, right? Because when I read this stuff, it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating. You're like, ah, anyone that knows you knows you really have a heart for this industry. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, what is it about real estate? What do you love about it? Oh, that's, that's an easy story. And I'm actually glad you asked. You see, my father goes all the way back many years ago. So we're not going to actually talk years because <laughs> I don't really care <laughs> to discuss my age. But my dad uh, grew up poor. Uh, his dad died when he was young, grew up, brought up by a single mom, high school education, was a fighter pilot instructor in World War II. After World War II, came back, tried to get various jobs, and somebody hired him and helped get him licensed in real estate. He had spectacular success, ultimately building a very significant Cincinnati real estate firm. And that gave me, because of my dad's hard work and real estate, his ability in real estate to really do well, I was able to have a private school education, great college education, law school education, become an attorney, have so many doors opened for me in life because of two things, my dad, but also because of this profession. And so I am deeply passionate about this profession. Anybody that knows my background knows that and deeply passionate about keeping it as an entrepreneurial profession. I hate seeing so many of the models out there now where realtors are salaried uh, with the iBuyers, with some of the discounters. Uh, and it's because the, the, these, these companies can make more money with salaried realtors, but it takes entrepreneurism out of real estate. And I would hate to see that happen. So I really am passionate about this industry, but more than just the industry about maintaining entrepreneurism, the ability if you work hard and you learn to be able to prosper greatly and make a difference in your family's life and others' lives, God, I would hate to see that loss. So oh, me too. I'm very passionate about that. Me too. I love that about you. Yeah. And I was able to watch um, you at the We Serve event, sold out event. Uh, I think that they packed a room and you shared a lot of like who you are and what inspires you. And that's one of the things that I loved was your passion for the industry and your passion for realtors. And I, I get a sense that all you do kind of comes from that. And this 72 sold business model, um, it, it really is the answer to competing with these iBuyers. So I want to talk a little bit about the model. Sure. Um, so the background to 72 sold is, I think, interesting uh, in that I years ago was fascinated with Apple Computer and how they market it. So we all know the vision of people standing outside of an Apple store waiting to buy an iPhone, right? right? So go back many years when Apple introduced its first iPhone and that happened. And you have to ask why. 
was the iPhone really a better product than the Androids? And if you look back, maybe, maybe not. not. Maybe, maybe not. Right. But Apple was a magician at marketing, and Apple actually pioneered a form of marketing that now is starting to move itself into other areas, and that is to do this. Number one, to identify, to have a product, but not put it on the shelf right away. To float it out, to build demand, build anticipation, build excitement, get people waiting and wanting, then to put it on the shelf. That's how they get the line. So they get weeks of marketing, pre-marketing, then everybody say on eight o'clock, on this date, we're gonna put it on the shelves. And I mean, the stories are replete. There, there's one person we look back that waited, I think, three days. I mean, set the record, actually had various sponsors outside the Apple That's store. Insane, Can you right? imagine the amazing publicity for Apple? But in right. any case, that was the first thing. So you do that. Well, what that does is it creates social proof, what I call social proof, that whatever it is you're selling is popular and desirable and coveted. It also causes people in that line, they're not thinking about, can I get a discount? Can I buy it for less? They're just thinking about, can I get can it? I, can I get it right. before you know the, it's sold out? Uh, so that's the power of social proof, what it does, the validity, the desirability. Uh, the second thing it does that Apple was a master at doing is creating that fear of loss because they only stock their stores with limited quantities in the first hmm. week or two. They purposely, and I say this as a compliment to them, sure. made sure the stores sold out kind of towards the end of the day, but they had those shelves restocked the next day. So I could go in depth, but uh, hats off to Apple for really figuring out a way to market that had really not existed in retailing before. Previously in retailing, people would put things, stores would put things on a shelf and then market it, not Apple. So I thought several years ago, why not? try that in real estate. And I thought, what a great industry to try it in because Apple iPhones are all alike. They're identical. I mean, you can get different versions, memory, but they're basically alike. Right. Yet every single home is unique. Mm -hmm. Even if they look the same in a subdivision, everyone is unique by virtue of the lot it sits on. That's one of the really incredible things about real estate. So I thought it might even work better in real estate. So that's how 72 Sold was born several years ago. I worked through the rough outline of a program where first we would market a home but not have it available for showings, step one. Step two, every realtor that reached out, every buyer who reached out, all a very level playing field. Nobody could snap the home away from anybody else, very fair. We would tell everybody this Saturday, and only this Saturday is when it's available for showings between, let's say, 1 and 3.30. And we would schedule appointments. Now, it got crazy over the last year because of all the buyer demand. Sure. And we had big lines out in front of our homes and all of it. That's not what it's really supposed to be. Um, all these appointments are, are by appointment, but 10, 15 minutes apart. So on that, let's say, Saturday, every, all the buyers see each other coming and going. Aha, that's like the Apple line, the social proof, right? Then, very level playing field. That's the first day, by the way, of the 72 hours. Call it a Saturday. Okay, okay got so it. So that's the showing day. Okay. That's when we create that competitive environment, do the social proof, all the buyers see the home. Now, every buyer, something I think a bit unusual, is given what we call a seller preferred term sheet. 
Now, on that term sheet, it, number one, tells them when the seller will be evaluating offers, which is two days later, the last day of the 72 hours. It also tells them the seller's starting price. We don't use the term asking or list price. We use starting price, the minimum we advise you to offer. And that's what enables us to get our sellers generally to price their homes a bit more reasonably because it isn't, let's see how high I can start and lower the price if it doesn't work. We put a price, we advise sellers to let us put a price in the property that isn't crazy low, but that is attractive. So we can attract every potential right. buyer for a home, then let the social proof and the competitive environment do the work. So day one is the day that everybody sees it. Everybody gets a seller preferred term sheet. Here's one I'd like to close. Here's my starting price. If I'd like post-possession, post-closing possession, here's what I'd like. No buyer has to offer that, Kayla. But we tell the buyers, here would be a perfect offer. We try to make it easy. Then day two, and by the way, we tell them that at 4 p.m. Monday, two days later, the last day of the 72 hours, don't get stressed. You don't have to offer, have an offer in right away. Just have it in before then. That's when our seller will evaluate offers and make a decision. Day two on Sunday is the day that we, our listing agents, stay available. And they're required to do this. This, is, this program has to be followed. And all you realtors out there, if you see any of my agents not following this program, let me know because we promise our sellers a product. We promise the real estate industry a certain process that they should be able to rely on. And anybody in our company that varies from that process, um, we want to correct that. So day two is when we answer buyers or buyer agents' questions. Uh, it's when we let them uh, make sure everybody's qualified financing for financing. And then day three is when, usually at like four o'clock or so, is when we present everybody's offer to our sellers. And then our sellers, they don't have to sell. At that point, we begin any negotiations and try to, if we can, get the home sold the next day. So that's the process. And I hope I'm not over-talking it, but we feel like it has a number of benefits. Number one, the seller, sellers are not every day uh, enduring the inconvenience of showings. Mm -hmm. You know, pick up, mm -hmm. buyer went to see it day after day. You know, people have kids and dogs and right. jobs. And so that's tough on sellers. Number two, uh, sellers, uh, typically, if they start showing their home day after day in the traditional process, and by the way, I did traditional for years. I'm not like throwing it under the bus and then I didn't do it. Right. I did it most of my life. Of course, okay? so right. <laughs> I just think this is a better way. So the second problem it solves is when sellers start showing their home day after day, they in this market, start getting offers right away. But how do they know what to do? They know for a fact, not every buyer's seen their home. Right. So there's a lot of people that can't see a home right away. They're busy. Buyers are busy. So it solves that problem because sellers get to see all offers at the same time. The third problem that it solves is I believe when homes are shown one at a time, day after day, you really miss the opportunity to create that social proof, that competitive environment that Apple did. You got all these buyers, why string them out over days? So take your time, identify them first, and let them know about each other, like an auction, like Barrett Jackson, right? Right. And the fourth problem that it solves is one we all know, Kayla, and that is that I have this term, uh, time is acid to the price of a home. In other mm -hmm. words, time on the market is acid to the price <laughs> right. of a home. We all know that the longer a home sits on the market, uh, buyers perceive it's overpriced right. and offer less, particularly in a hot market like this. I mean, it starts happening in days. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Seven days on the market. What's Seven wrong with it? Seven days on the market. What's wrong with yeah, it? Must be ridiculous. something wrong. And obviously it's overpriced. <laughs> Not true with our process, because remember, the reason 
that that time on the market is so detrimental to price is because buyers presume other buyers have seen it and rejected it. With our program, every buyer knows that they are with every other buyer the first to see it, let's say on the Saturday, the first day of the 72 hours. So there's no perception, even if we've been marketing it in MLS and everywhere else for a week, there is no perception that anybody's rejected it because they haven't. So we solve those four problems with this. And we also feel like we create a better experience for buyer agents. Now, buyer agents grouse, come on, I want to buy it early. I want to buy it early. Sure. I get it. I get it too. I'd be the same way. But right? the fact is we create a level playing field where every buyer agent with a buyer, they don't have to get stressed if their buyer can't get out day one or day two. They know that our seller will be evaluating offers. We tell them all when it will be all at the same time. So it's a level playing field for them. It's a level playing field for their buyer. So there are a lot of other things we do. I have a very specific process that we teach our agents for showing homes, a seven-step process. We have what we call the BCW formula, broken cosmetic worn, that provides a non-emotional template when you get into the inspections to make sure that buyers don't request what is unreasonable and that sellers are reasonable. We have a lot of very um, bullet-pointed uh, non-emotional ways to go about doing what we do to, again, give everybody a better experience. But what I just told you is a nutshell of what we believe this program's about. And I'll finish this rather long dissertation, sorry. No, it's great. This is great. What we keep trying to do in improving this program is to create for sellers an iBuyer-like experience with, with limited showings, limited inconvenience, but to do it where we're selling, instead of us buying it wholesale and selling it at retail, to, to, to be able to sell it to the retail buyer while the seller still has that really iBuyer-like experience. And so I'll just say one last thing, and where we're headed, and I want everybody out there should hear this, is we're starting to sell homes virtually so that we're, we've created a system where we have videos, photos, floor plans, we're starting to push out a lot of our homes on its, their own website with all of this, where all buyers and buyer agents can see all of that and actually submit offers without the seller ever having to show it. And here's what's so great for the buyer. The buyer who ends up being the successful one in negotiating price and terms gets an approval walkthrough, the only one to ever have gotten in the home before they open escrow, before they put up earnest money, and in the event they don't like it, they can walk away. And the seller ends up, in most every case, being able to sell their home and to do it with only one person ever walking through a very iBuyerish-like experience. Yeah, so, that's excellent. Yeah. So we just keep thinking, I just keep thinking every day, it isn't about how much business we can generate. Obviously, we're aggressive marketers, but it's really first and foremost, not the marketing. It's the program. You know, continue to develop a program that gives our clients a better experience and then market the pants off of it, right? That's right. <laughs> so that's what we do. Well, you're doing a great job of it. Yeah, thank uh, you. Congrats. Uh, and it's a really brilliant program. Thank you. It does really solve the problem of, you know, sellers. The, the number one complaint that they have right now is they don't want strangers walking through their house. They don't want open houses, right? They don't want that. They don't want that invasion of their privacy. And so I think that this is a great way to kind of package it in I love all of the steps that Apple, you know, you're, you're, you're just uh, leveraging from the brilliant minds of the world and implementing that into your own program, which is crushing it. 
So the congratulations. Best way, to, best way to be brilliant is look at all the brilliant people out there <laughs> and just take their advice and do what they do that works, right? Uh, that's right. I always say Tony Robbins says success leaves clues, right? Yep. We can just model others. And why don't more of us do that? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, but and that's one of the things I also love is you're very open about like, hey, here's my program. Copy it. Use it. Email me and I will give you my playbook. Like, what is, like, that's contribution to the greater good there coming out. So, you know, what is it that inspires you to share, to come and be on this podcast and give us, you know, your, your brilliant strategy that you're using? Uh, actually, email me and I will do more than share it. I'll send copies of our brochures, what we use to present to sellers, what we use to compete against all of you out there so that you can be better or not, decide if it works for you or not. And the reason I do that is because, again, of course, I want 72 sold to be successful. Of course, it's fun to build a business that grows and prospers. But my number one goal, that's why I'll share every single thing we do, is to save entrepreneurism in real estate. I do not believe we should look at each other as our threat, as our big competitors. Mm -hmm. Of course, we compete. We were talking before we started. Right. Of course, we compete against each other for listings. Fine. I have a rule in my company. Every agent would tell you this. You can compete with other agents by saying, here's what we do. You know, you obviously know the traditional process. If you like what we do better, then hire us. If anybody in my company, however, criticizes another agent or criticizes another real estate firm, their license is sent in same day. We do not criticize each other. It's a fair game to say, look, here's our process. That's their process. We believe ours is better. If you believe so too, list with us. But other than that, there is no criticism. So the whole foundation of that is that we have got, there's 1.3, 1.4 million realtors. We better darn well come together and understand that it is the iBuyers, OfferPad, Opendoor, Zillow, and I know them, and I know the top leadership, and they've come out and they've met with me. Uh, they wanted to get me on board to work with them and, and get offers on all of our homes from them before we presented it to the general public. I wouldn't do it. The reason I wouldn't do it is why would I go to one of our sellers and advise them to take this offer before they know what every possible retail buyer would pay? It's not fair. So I have nothing against these iBuyers other than I believe their ultimate goal is to displace us as entrepreneurs, to use their will buy your home as really a, they do buy homes, but is also a massive lead generator where they will get their salaried agents. All of them are offering list with us programs. Right. Also, you know that. Right. And uh, that's to me our threat. They have a lot of money. They can afford to lose money buying homes. Everybody in our business knows right now that a lot of these iBuyers are overpaying for homes to build market share, to look good to their investors. That can't last, but right now it is. So that's a big challenge. So Bottom line is, I believe it's fair game for us to fairly compete with each other for listings. Then we should come together. We should help each other sell them. We should be totally transparent. And if we're doing things that are we feel like might help everybody in the industry do it better and compete better, I think we should freely share them. There's enough business for all of us, unless and until that gets taken away <laughs> by the forces that would like to displace us. That's what I believe. I agree. I agree. It is pretty, it's pretty alarming to see them come in and just within a few short years amass the market share that they have to see Zillow completely pivot 
Yep. Right. You know, and to see all these other companies now coming in, it seems like there's a new iBuyer every day. Yep. And so I, I agree. We, we love what you're doing. I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned you came up with this great program and then it's all about marketing the pants off of it. And you are everywhere. Um, let's, let's kind of laundry list out uh, the marketing mediums that, that you're hitting right now. Oh, well, we have uh, right now in Phoenix, we're on all the TV channels pretty much all day. Did you take Russell Shaw's spot? Because <laughs> <laughs> it used to be him. <laughs> it did. You know, Russell, if you go back in the day, uh, what a, a really great marketer. Uh, you know, his, uh, his program, if you don't like me, fire me, and the no hassle listing. And so uh, Russell, great. Is, Russell, great. Russell is uh, really did a great program, you know, in its time, had a lot of success with it and deserving success. Uh, but in terms of where we are, it's, uh, we're on all the channels every day. But I'm going to tell you a little backdrop in a minute um, in terms of how we got there. And I think that might be interesting to everybody because I started this on a couple $3,000 budget with a few ads in community newspapers. Oh, so okay. I'm going to share with everybody how we got where we are to help every realtor who's listening to this understand that they can do the exact same thing. All right, guys. So... Get out your paper, get out a pen, take some notes. I'm serious. I know. It's there, valuable. There is not a person out there that could not do what we did and start with just a very, very, very small budget. And I'll take them through how to do that. Happy to. Uh, but right now, yeah, we have 200 billboards here in the Phoenix market. We are on TV, radio, Jim Sharp, Jamie West uh, are all spokesmen and endorsers. And we're doing huge Facebook, digital, SEM, OTT, CTV, which is like the free TV. So yeah, we're. I think our this month we'll spend uh, between a, you know million and a half dollars in this market in marketing. Wow, um, just here. Oh, just here. Yeah. Just here, and you are across the U.S. We have we're in thirty eight other media markets. There are two hundred ten media markets in this country, and a media market is where if you advertise in that market like Phoenix. Where else does your message go if people were, for example, watching television in Prescott? Prescott is in the Phoenix media market. Sedona is in the Phoenix media market. So we have agents up in Prescott and in Sedona. So that's a media market. There are 210 of those in this country, and that does encompass every household in the country, wow. those 210. So we're in 38 of those. Very so we're, cool. we're still small as compared to being national, but, but growing. So how it started, and this is, to me, again, more important because I'd like to say things on this podcast that will help anyone listening try to do the same. Yes. So what we did is we started by advertising in some community newspapers. That's a great way to test your message because it's not expensive. You do want to have the money to be able to look big in a small market. So community newspapers... You I know, like that. Look big in a small market. It is critical. Too many realtors make the mistake of buying a, a, a little ad, a quarter page, a half page. You know, you're much better, first rule of marketing, you're much better to look big and hit fewer people than to look small and hit more people. So first thing I did is I picked a couple of community newspapers and I bought two, three full page ads that were 500, 600 bucks each. Not that expensive. And so testing 
to see if the message, sell your home in 72 hours, avoid the inconvenience of day, day after day showings, just the normal thing that we do, sure. put it in a check mark, avoid the inconvenience of daily showings, get all offers presented to you at the same time, sell your home in a 72 hour weekend, you know, just check, check, check. To Wait, s- question for you. Yeah. Do you write the ad copy for your ads? Every word. I figured. Every TV okay, commercial, sorry. every radio, I write I had every. to ask. That is my thing. I, I can am, tell. I am CEO, but I am the messaging guy. So okay. every word you see everywhere was written by me. That's my job. I have a lot of amazing people, but my little niche is writing, making sure the messaging is pristine. So I started with that and uh, no website. When we started a few years ago, it was just phone number. <laughs> Give us a call. Right? Okay. All right. Started getting calls. Hey, sell your home. Sell my home in 72 hours. And that was back before homes were selling it a day, right? It's a right. more normal market, okay? Right. So, so really, and, and I don't have to have daily showings, and I get, like, everybody's offer at the same time. And so, I, of course, then the next thing is when people called, it was like, you know, I'm not really funny on the, pro, on the phone. You know, everybody knows the rule. I said, well, sure. Would you like me to come out and tell you all about it? And I have a brochure I can share, and I'll leave you with all the information. Well, okay. Make a listing appointment. Go out, explain the program, explain how it's different from traditional, which is pretty self-apparent. And I started seeing people list. In fact, Teresa, who's now my wife and was my partner starting this, we got married last November. Congratulations. Uh, And uh, so it was like, I remember at, at one point we were going on two or three listing appointments a day all from ramping up community newspapers. That had have been exciting. It was totally exciting. And we had no brochures, no nothing. We were just kind of, I was kind of explaining (laughs) the program, winging it, and people were loving it. So I said, Teresa, I think we have something here. You were onto something here. So then I set a rule for myself. And this is where the second thing, so start, look big, but hit fewer people. You would be better hitting 500 homes if you're going to do mail outs or whatever. Hit 500 homes every week as opposed to hitting 2,000 homes once a month. Mm -hmm. You know, bottom line is look big, be repetitive, whatever you do. Then grow, always looking big. So first market I concentrated on was Scottsdale and Paradise Valley. Uh, And I think the first community newspaper ads were in Scottsdale. Okay. So next rule is I committed to spending 40% of the commissions we earned back in marketing. So that was if we earned a $10,000 commission, I put aside $4,000 and I committed it back into marketing. And that's a, that's a big commitment. It's a big commitment. Massive. Uh, and I think very few realtors, it's like, oh God, you know, I earned $20,000. I don't want to put 8,000 back into marketing. I will tell you, if your marketing is generating business, if it's working, recycle a big part of that money back into marketing. We still do that today. So you understand starting three and a half years ago with a few thousand dollars a month, we're now spending 1.3 million a month. And that is purely a result of recycling 40% back into marketing. Every agent in our company either is on a 40% or 50% of the business we give them much lower split and they get much more on their own self-acquired business. But on the business that we refer them Depending on how many leads we give them, either 40 or 50% of their commission goes right back into our marketing fund. They know it and they love it because it just keeps the business coming. And that has allowed us to cycle up as we bring in realtors to our firm. Uh, I think when we started this, it was Teresa and me and a couple of people that helped us. 
And at the beginning of the year, we had 115. Uh, as of yesterday, we had 274. So we've grown wow. more than doubled this year in Congrats. agent count. Not trying to make money off the agent's business. We don't really care much. In fact, when agents do self-acquired business, friends, relative networking, there is a small, uh, we're 90-10, you know, 90-10 Reasonable. But we give them additional leads for every $1,000 in self-acquired business so that an agent with us, we're trying to give them enough of the business the company produces based on the business they produce self-acquired as bonus so that ultimately it's free. Like if you do $100,000 in GCI, self-acquired business, we'd end up with 10,000 of that. What we do is we give you a bunch of extra seller leads. There's a ratio for every $1,000. So you end up listing more and selling more of our homes, which more than compensates you for the 10,000. The whole idea of our business model is it's not about trying to earn money on your self-acquired business, on the hard work you've endured, you put in for years, but rather we want you to pay us some of that Again, as a contribution we can use into marketing to recycle more business back to you. And where we prosper is through the 72-sold business. That's the real estate firm and agent business model. What's nice for our agents is virtually all of our agents, they almost do no networking, no marketing, anything anymore. It's, uh, we hand out, I think it was on your, on your preferred right. questions, we right. hand out now we're about 100 seller leads a day. Wow. To our agents. Last month it was, uh, I think, 2,900. And this month it'll be 33, 34, 3,500. So about 100 a day uh, to our agents. Uh, you get about a five an hour. Uh, yeah, whatever that comes and to. And I, I worked it out. You, you sell about a ho- what? How many houses I say every day? Um, uh, we're close to 20. Every uh, day. Every day. You yeah. almost have a house an hour. Almost an <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. I like that. A house I an hour. I think it's a good goal, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. A sale you're, an hour, right? You're almost there. Yep. True. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot of leads a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're handing them out to your agents. Right. 268 and agents. And basically we have about, I'm guessing, 100 of those who receive the leads. And the other 160 or 70 are backup. There's the, the listers are so busy, they all have partners, one or two partners, who help them facilitate the business, and then they just split up the commissions. Got so it. that's the way it works. Very cool. So you're definitely spreading the love um, and, you know, helping all of these other agents grow businesses as well. Uh, let me ask you, how do you keep track of all of those leads um, with independent contractors, right? I mean, what, what do you require of your listing agents as far as accountability and follow-up? And I would imagine it's intense. You're spending $1.3 million for these leads. Can't let them slip through the cracks. How do you keep them accountable? Yeah, great question. Um, I have, and I mean, every many CEOs will talk about how they have a really great team. Uh, I cannot even tell you the amazingness of the team of people I have back there Uh, employees uh, that have started with us, been with us since the beginning. Uh, They are working crazy hours on weekends. Um, And it's not done manually, but they're overseeing all of our systems, processes, our CRM. So the way it actually works is the leads come to the website. uh, Sellers come to the website, put in their address, answer a few questions, uh, some really valuable information for you. You know, if you're going out on a listing appointment, they tell us what they think their home is worth. They tell us when they plan to sell. Our listing agents get all that information, which helps them serve those people better. Mm -hmm. And then the prospects put in their phone number. 
and they're basically asking us to reach out to them. So then the leads are distributed uh, based on, it's all done automatically. We do not anything manual. We program all of our agents into our system. Been a fortune spent on this. And they all have a, uh, they're all part of our CRM, our contact relation management system. So when a lead would be distributed, Kayla, to you, what happens is you see a text message that pops on your phone and it, boom, just comes instantly. As soon as the prospect puts in their phone number and says submit and I want somebody to reach out to me, that hits your phone 30 seconds later. You can you see all the information, their name, their address, what they think their home's worth. It's all printed in a text. Then you can go in from your phone to our, our CRM that we've developed and you see everything in there. You see everything about them. It's all there. And then you can do one of two things. About half our agents use our appointment setting center. We have a whole other facility. And because speed to lead is so important, mm -hmm. you know, somebody will go to our website and boy, I'm interested in talking to them and I'd like to see what their price is, et cetera. And then an hour later, they're off thinking something else. Right. So either you can do the follow up on that lead, make your own listing appointment, and we teach you exactly what talk tracks, what talking points work best. But really where we're headed is we have all of these appointment setters. So your experience as an agent is you see the lead come across your te by text message. You see all the information. You can go into the CRM, which you have a whole section of the CRM with all the leads you've gotten. If you have our appointment setting service do it, they hit are on that lead within a, I mean, contacting that lead within a minute, minute wow. and a half to call them, welcome them. Thank you for requesting information about our program. And, uh, and then they have your calendar, Kayla. So they, you, they don't see what you're doing personally, but sure. they, we have a shared calendar where you have blocked time that is personal or you're committed and shown us what time you would be available for listing appointments. We just put that on your calendar for tomorrow, the next day, never same day. So we set the appointments and basically where most of our agents are now more than half and probably in 60 days, all of them is we're just distributing appointments. We're doing all the appointment setting, all the back end work and just putting listing appointments on their calendar and then giving them all the information, the seller. So that's how it works. Uh, it's, it's very automated. Obviously we're doing it nationally uh, where we get involved in a personal basis is in the appointment setting. And that we have a whole team of people that work in a big facility. And they're ours. This is not some appointment setting service we hire from the outside. I was going to ask, is it, did you use like virtual assistants? No, no. no. This, is this is all people who work for us because again, uh, we want our clients, our clients being these home sellers that reach out to us. We want to make sure they have a very certain specific experience sure. from moment one and with our own employees, we can control that better. Nothing wrong with virtual assistants. We use them for a lot of things, but we would not use them for that. Got it, got it. So you've given your listing agents a path to where you take all of that off their shoulders. Yes. And you set the appointment for them, and it just shows up on their, their calendar, and, and then they just go rocket. They go rocket, and uh, we equip them with brochures and videos and every lot of tools to go out and help explain the program. And uh, one of the rules is obviously you want the sellers to list with you, of sure. course. Right. But I really talk about it being more explaining what we do, a listing explanation, not a listing presentation. I like it. I really try to teach our agents, don't be selly. Just go out and tell them the truth. Be passionate. All of you believe in what we're doing. Be passionate. Explain 
our program, explain why we believe it's better than traditional, explain those four problems that I talked about earlier and how we solve those, and, and then ask the sellers a tie-down question. Can you see how this is better than selling the traditional way? If they say yes, move on to the pricing discussion. And one of the things we do, and I did share it at WeServe, is we don't use a standard nine-page fine print listing agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our listing agreement is not called a listing agreement. It's called a marketing authorization. It's one page. It I've, has like, I've actually had an agent text me your marketing agreement, and they asked me, is this legal? <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have to use the MLS exclusive right to sell. No. Uh, and actually, it is, it is, I'm an attorney, so I, you know, and every, I passed it out. Anybody's welcome to use it. It is an exclusive right to sell. Basically, it says in one, you only need one sentence. Right. In the event that, you know, you sell the property, anybody we've showed it to, and et cetera, et cetera, then you owe us a commission. That is an exclusive right to sell. And so that was done in one sentence. But it's interesting because you're an attorney. You didn't take that seven-page document and make it 30. No. Because that's what most attorneys <laughs> would not do. The truth. No, just the opposite. And, you did the opposite, and, yeah. and let me tell you why. Obviously, there's two reasons. The obvious reason is it's a lot easier for our agents. It's less intimidating. And so the number of sellers per 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 hundred appointments that would sign up right then is much higher mm. because it's just like, well, geez, it's just a marketing authorization. They explain the commission, et cetera. But the other reason is actually I didn't I wanted sellers to really be able to read it. Mm. What seller reads nine pages of fine print? Nobody. And, and I felt as an attorney that that was a better experience for sellers because you can read it in about a minute. It basically just says that if we sell your home and it closes, you owe us a commission. We also point out that unlike the traditional listing agreement, and we'll show them that, the traditional listing agreement says that if you procure a purchaser ready, willing, and able to purchase it at the list price on reasonable terms, you would owe us a commission. Sure. We, took, we changed that, made it more beneficial to consumers. If we produce a, con- a buyer ready, willing, and able to pay the list price and the sellers decide not to sell, they owe us nothing. They have to decide to sell, and they have to go ahead and get it closed. And so I really changed it so it was very consumer-friendly as well, and uh, not to our benefit. No, you know, like, let's make it stronger for us. I didn't feel it was fair, um, you know, that sellers who change their mind, you say, well, wait, I got you a list price offer that should be in a situation where if you wanted to, you could sue them for a commission. So uh, that's something I really recommend to all of you. I know that a lot of brokers, a lot of you are with big firms, and, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I want to, yeah, I better do what everything, you know, is normal, you know, because it's, like, approved yeah. by the AR and everything else. Yeah, and, uh, brokers that are listening, they're just going, oh, my oh God. Oh, my God, please don't do that. But I will tell you that, and brokers who are listening, the world, you know, it's a cliche, the world is changing, but the world of consumer preferences and taste is changing. Mm-hmm. People sign up with you, and they change their mind you better just say, fine. You better be a Nordstrom's. Um, It's got to be about client experience. It's got to be like, we're here to serve. How can we help? We're never here to even come close to trying to take advantage. And consequently, a simple, simple, here's all it is. It's simple and easy. Mm -hmm. Let us use our process. It happens very quickly. Let us present you with offers. If you decide to sell, great. If you don't, you owe us nothing and we walk away. We are trying to make this so consumer-friendly, non-threatening, and I believe everybody in real estate 
better start thinking that way. Um, the old nine-page got you for six months. Even if you change your mind, well, I'll, I'll TOM it, but I won't cancel it. I got to tell you, those days are changing. That is not the way people think. They don't, their expectation of how businesses should operate is like I had lunch today at Houston's, one of my favorite lunch restaurants. If they, they, they're great. But if they ever serve you something that isn't exactly the way you hoped it would be, it's like, sorry, take it away, bring it back, comp your lunch. I mean, whatever. They do never, never want you to walk out of there not loving that place. That's the way we all in this industry better be thinking, in my opinion. I 100% agree. And a couple of the documents that you've talked about today that I think are helping you know, your, your program, it's, it's that seller term sheet. That's brilliant. I love that. Um, and then, of course, this marketing agreement that's very short and sweet, and a seller can actually read it in one sitting. <laughs> they can read it in about a minute. That's <laughs> Thank great. goodness. Yeah. Because you're sitting there too. True. And you'd rather not sit there for 15 minutes while they read all the fine print, right? So true. Those are some excellent, excellent takeaways. And um, everything that you're talking about, I couldn't agree more. I definitely think that consumer behavior is changing. And I think that's why these iBuyers are having such great success is they're capitalizing on on that. And I like what you've done is because you've positioned realtors um, to benefit from that sort of messaging as well. And it's clearly working for you. Um, you're, you're getting just you know, loads of leads a day, over 100. You know, yes, you're spending a huge marketing um, budget, but you're able to recoup that in the commissions and by empowering all of these realtors. It's it's excellent. I'm curious. One of the things that we talk about a lot, um, you know, we're at the iBuyer experiment, so we're constantly thinking, you know, what does the future look like for real estate? And I want to kind of pivot there and kind of get your thoughts on where you see real estate headed. Um, I know that there are a lot of agents that are really concerned about some of these hedge funds and these REITs that are buying and holding. Um, taking properties off market mm-hmm. and leasing. And so just, and of course the behemoths and they, they continue to just gain market share and buy homes at a loss so they can satisfy their shareholders. But what do you think the real estate industry is is looking like in the future? Just kind of paint us a picture of, of where you see it headed. Yeah, I'm glad to. And I could be right, I could be wrong, but here's what I think. So number one, to address the investors, Arizona is a hot spot for investors, individual investors and large firms buying homes for rental, uh, long-term rental, and then, of course, the short-term A and Airbnb kind of rental. And there's a law in Arizona. It's unique to this country. There's no state that has such a law. It's uh, SB 1350. And that law prohibits communities in Arizona from regulating short-term rentals. In other words, a bedroom community with children, uh, if I want to buy a home right in the middle of it and I want to have Airbnb people in and out every day, I can do that, what I call essentially operating a neighborhood motel. Mm. I don't particularly like that law. I think that uh, law has really hurt a lot of areas like Sedona, where it's heavily Airbnb and a lot of the people that used to live in Sedona are now living in Cottonwood and other places. I believe it's, it's hurt a lot of bedroom communities where you have kids and families and then there's three or four Airbnbs. And there's nothing wrong with an Airbnb. There's nothing wrong with vacationers. But vacationers come in to party, have fun. They'll stay up later. I get it. Uh, but that's not exactly what you bargain for when you buy in a quiet community in a great school district. 
That being said, it is that law and the fact that most believe that the Arizona real estate market will continue to be very vibrant for years that is causing about 30% of the home sales to be to investors. Investors for long-term rent, investors for short-term rent, and then, of course, you have the investors like the iBuyers that flip. So that just is an observation. I think what really should be more relevant to us is what is the, and you asked that as well, what does the future look like for us? What are we going to need to do as real estate professionals to stay relevant and to prosper? And I think the number one thing we need to be thinking about is whether you emulate what we're doing at 72 sold, or you develop something yourself. Doesn't matter. There's lots of ways, different variations on what we do. Do, do. do ours or do one on your own. Try to make it better. It's all good. We'll look at you then. Maybe that'll mm-hmm. help us be better. No, I'm serious. Right. It's all good. Yeah. But number one thing is one competitor that is not going to go away are the massively funded iBuyers. Uh, you probably know that OfferPad just went public through Spencer Reskoff's SPAC, $2.7 billion. Uh, Open Door is public. Of course, Zillow is massive and has the benefit of their website. So these iBuyers are going to be around and be a real competitor to us for a long time because they have a lot of money and they have marketing expertise. A lot of money alone isn't good enough, isn't good enough, but they know how to market. So that, will, that is clearly a threat to us, and they'd like to hire us on salary. They'll buy the homes, we sell them, or we go in and list the homes that the people won't end up selling them. That's where they're headed. And they're going to continue to build sales staffs that everybody who says no to their offer that gets a compelling proposition, well, list with us. If you don't take our offer, list with us. And I can clearly see Zillow saying at some point, and this is, the to me, the real elephant in the room, is, hey, why would you, an a, Zillow agent, why would you not list with me? It's our website. We have all the buyers. You know, Carol has the buyers. Sure, you know, Carol yeah. out there, Carol, <laughs> Carol has the buyers. buyers. Uh, Carol's marketing's great. You know, Carol has the buyers, dog, good for her. Love Carol. But Zillow does have the buyers. <laughs> right, I think it was like, yeah. I can't even remember their monthly the visitors to Zillow. I don't know. It's, it's astounding. It is. So that's one threat. And... The other threat, and then I'll talk about how I believe that we overcome those challenges, the other threat are what I call the loss leaders. There's a new breed of discounter out there. Uh, Homie kind of got it started. Uh, Homie has had a lot of success in Salt Lake. Not so much here because I think they didn't know what they were getting into when they came down here. I mean, this is like a crazy, this is considered the most competitive real estate market in the country. It is. And a a lot of people are, you know, they're surprised to hear that. But we really are. Oh, we are. Over New York, over L.A., I know we're in all those other markets. They are nothing like this in terms of competition. So, um, but Homie's model and uh, this uh, Rocket Mortgages, Better.com, Their model is that they essentially could sell your home for free and they monetize it in other ways. Now, Homie charges a couple, three grand. Uh, I think right now, Rocket Mortgage, just getting started with Better.com, yes. But they'll eventually go to free. I mean, so you see what's happening, everybody. They will eventually say, hey, we'll facilitate the sale of your home, give you MLS, give you everything, and we'll charge you nothing. And what they do is they monetize it through lending. They monetize it through title. They'll end up monetizing it through moving companies and all kinds of other things. And um, that's 
a pretty smart business model. You know, don't poo-poo what looks pretty smart because they can do it. Mm -hmm. They can get what they call an attach rate. The attach rate is somebody comes to them to sell their home. How many of these other services can they sell them? And these companies have learned how to have a very high attach rate, which means they make a lot of money over there, even though they make nothing over here. Right. I think uh, Zillow had 20% attached to Zillow mortgage from Zillow offers in their last shareholder report. There you 20%. go. 20%. And they'll just keep getting better. And it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, and they'll learn how to get better. So the two threats, as I see it, are the what I call the discount loss leaders, not just discounters. The old form of real estate discounter had to make money on what they charged. The new form of real estate discounter is the one that doesn't have to make money on what they charge. In fact, they can probably charge nothing and make it up in lending title and other sources. And then you have the iBuyers. And their real threat is not just the buying and selling of homes, but it is rather using the people who come to them, taking those leads. And their goal is to convert everyone that doesn't take their offer into a listing. So those are your two big threats, both big, brilliant marketers with a lot of money. The answer, so what's the answer? The answer is to provide people with the same kind of, let's take the iBuyers. Mm -hmm. Provide them with that kind of an experience, quick, easy, non-threatening, maybe no showings at all and just an approval walkthrough. Do videos and other things of the home. Um, our agents are starting now to experiment with listing appointments that are done by phone where the seller just walks through the home for somebody that wouldn't yeah. want us over. Like Make a FaceTime it, type. Totally. Right. Make it easy, non-threatening. Um, we're beta testing that to see how that works. So Try to just look at what you're doing and take what's known as the friction out of it. What are the things people don't like? Don't like daily showings, pretty much don't like open houses. While people like our launches, you know, our Saturday launches from the standpoint that it's better than daily showings, mm -hmm. they'd prefer not to have them. Oh, sure. Oh, of course. Totally. I get right. that. So I keep looking at all those things that a consumer would prefer to have be different and say, how can we do that? And I think as an industry... We need to do that because we can beat the iBuyers. Here's why. Hands down, we can beat them because it is less expensive to facilitate a sale to the ultimate buyer than it is to buy, hold, carry, and then resell. You've got the cost to buy, the cost to resell, the cost to carry, and the risk that COVID will happen while you got the house. Right, right. No, really. Yeah. So their model is more expensive than ours. And consequently, model to model, a good, polished, easy, convenient facilitation model, which is what all we realtors do, that can beat the iBuyer, presuming we give people a very similar experience. And we work together to help each other. With respect to the discounters, the loss leader discounters that can do it for free, how do you beat them? Well, the idea is it. You have to say this, and we say this, I teach my agents to say this to sellers. Which is more important to you? What you save or what you walk away with? In other words, if you could spend a bit more money but walk away with more money, wouldn't you prefer that? And, of course, everybody will say, well, yeah, because there are a lot of things we do in life where we will spend money but we get a better result by spending the money. So then you have to get people on board conceptually, Kayla, with the concept that savings, saving money, that is, somebody will charge you nothing to sell their home, you may not walk away with more. And you have to realize it isn't the saving that is the big thing. It is the walking away with more in your pocket that's the big thing. 
So then what we have to do is show people a value proposition, a process that is a better process than what they offer, that in what I call increases the probability you'll walk away net-net with more in your pocket. Like what? Creating a competitive environment, social proof, seeing all offers at the same time. We have to keep getting better and better so that we can take business away from the companies that charge nothing. Because ultimately, there are going to be companies who do. And by the way, companies all over the world do that. They sell premium products because the consumer ends up with a better result and they're willing to pay a premium. So that's how we beat them. Not easy. What I just said not easy at all. is easy to say, yeah. not easy to do, but we're smart. We have a lot of smart people in this industry, a lot of people younger than me, a lot of visionary people. And those are the kind of people that need to step up, need to see the writing on the wall if they believe what I'm saying is true, and then start being smarter than me and figuring out, well, Greg had pretty good ideas here, but boy, I got a few ideas that I think could make this even better for consumers. That's where we win, Kayla. That, as an industry, is where we win. I like it. I agree. I love the story of how when you came up with the concept, you just immediately, next listing appointment, went for it and implemented it. Yep. And I think that, you know, there's a there's just kind of this delay and this doubt for many realtors when they have an idea and and it's all about executing that. And they feel like they have to get ready to execute that idea where when I heard that story of, you know, you came up with the idea, went into the listing appointment and just pitched it. You just went for it, not knowing what objections you're going to get, not having brochures. I mean, so how, how can we learn from you? How can we be more like you in executing on these ideas that we have? <laughs> Best way I could answer that would be to tell you kind of a fun story. So I told you how we got started. Now I'll tell you really like a little story behind how this got started. Okay, let's hear it. So Teresa and I, and as I said, we got married last November, and oh my God, I, I cannot tell you what she's met in my life. She's an amazing business partner, amazing wife. Uh, but we were sitting having lunch before we were ever personal, pure business, three, three and a half years ago. And we were sitting at Rancho, Man Rancho Manana out in Cape Creek. And we had been on a listing appointment that morning, and we had one like at 2 o'clock out that way. So I had been thinking for days about, you know, this, this program. And so I literally, you know the old cliche, the napkin? <laughs> I literally said, you got a pencil and the napkin there? And I sketched out, sell your home in 72 hours. Here's how it would work. Now, Teresa laughs about this now. We've done some videos. She looked at me across the table. She said, that'll never work. Sell your home in 72 hours? Are you kidding, Greg? We go on a listing appointment. Somebody's going to laugh at us. And I said, all right, we've got one at 2 o'clock today. Let me just take the lead. I'll just kind of, I had it sketched out kind of what this would look like, and let's see how they take it. She said, yeah, right. We're going to lose that one for sure. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> and believe me, it was, she's an amazing supporter of everything, but it's so we went on this appointment out north and went through the home, sat down, and I went through the program. First, we identify buyers, build demand. We don't show it right away. We'll show it two weeks on a Saturday, et cetera. And then we present your office at the same time. And Sundays today, we negotiate every buyer to their highest price, financially qualify them, answer their questions. Just went through. I'd sketched it all out. I thought I'd been thinking about it for days. And, and then I said the sellers were sitting across from us, and the, the window to their street, they were on a quiet street, was behind them. And then I said to them, 
And Teresa's sitting there looking at me saying, I wonder, wonder what they're going to think. And then I said, but there's one problem. And the, both, both the seller, the husband and wife said to me, well, after I explained the, this program, and they said, what's that? I said, see the, look, turn around and look behind you, your quiet street out there. And they said, yeah. And I said, while I'm doing the pre-marketing, getting buyers excited, et cetera, but not allowing them to see the home, you're going to see people out there driving by. They're going to slow down. They're going to look out their window. They're going to be all excited. They're going to want to get in, but I'm going to tell every one of them, do not knock on that door. You will never get in that home. And they turned around and they said, where do we sign? I wow. mean, literally turned around and said, where do we sign? Of course, we had the normal listing agreement, everything normal back then. Teresa and I get in the car after we, she says, only you. You know, the old cliche, you could sell a friggin' refrigerator to us, <laughs> you know, to an Eskimo. That's awesome. But uh, that started the program, and then it went from there. So, so my you, advice my to... advice is, is have a good idea. Yep. And there's a book called The Lean Startup. You have a minimum viable product called an MVP. Don't spend a year thinking about it and refining it. Mm -hmm. Have a good idea. Go out and test it. And based on your testing, take input from consumers that it works, it doesn't work, and how to improve it. That's the best advice I could get all of you. In the showers, when you wake up in the morning, when you're working out, what could I do? How could I tweak things? How could I make them better? Then go out and float it out. See what people think. And then if everybody says, oh, that's, you know, nobody's a taker, don't spend any more time on it. People start saying, that's interesting, Get make it better, and then start marketing it. That's the way to do it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Hey, before we wrap up, I want to know what is on the horizon for, for you, for 72 Sold. Uh, what are your plans next? I, uh, my best way to answer that is that years ago, many years ago, when I was fortunate to start having a lot of success selling real estate, I bought a lot of stuff and um, I had never had money. So I bought cars and motorcycles and I'm a pilot. I bought a couple planes and fly and I was sitting having lunch with a friend. His name is Bruce Redding, one of the smartest guys I've ever known since 25 years ago. And Bruce observed him, he said, Greg, it's interesting. You, you don't seem to be as happy as you used to be. And I said, I know it's so weird. I mean, like I got everything I ever wanted. I'm, I, I don't know, I just don't feel the same. And he said, I know what your problem is. He said, you don't know the definition of happiness. And I said, what's that? What's that, Bruce? And he said, happiness is the deep sense of satisfaction that comes from the enthusiastic pursuit of a worthwhile goal of your own choosing. And he said, all four of those components have to be there. He said, first, you have to realize happiness is about purpose. It's not about pleasure. Pleasure is the icing. Pleasures are great. Cars, riding, this, trips. But if you don't wake up every morning with fire in your belly purpose, you're not going to be a happy person. And so you asked me the question, what lies ahead of me? I simply want to wake up every day with purpose. The purpose has to be something that was my choice. The purpose has to be worthwhile. That means it's doing good for others, or I believe it is. It can't be something that's not. That's not a worthwhile purpose. But if you ask my future, my future is simply to keep as long as my health allows me. And good news is I swim a mile every morning and feel great every day um, to keep waking up with purpose. And hopefully it's worthwhile and hopefully it benefits the world in some way. Well, I think it's just great. Thank you so much, Greg, for being here and just for sharing everything with us. We certainly appreciate you, appreciate everything you're doing in the industry. And thank you for listening. Again, thanks so much, Greg. Thank you, Kayla. <laughs>